Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in a lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture people so I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a extended family in all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around here This is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through Black Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night We don't walk by faith in a lost mind state cause it's not quite safe Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Black Freethinkers, and we appreciate your listening in, and this is the Alfred and Carl Show. Alfred, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, 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 we can hear you. Oh, man, this has been a really interesting week. Oh, yeah, lots been going on. Uh a, even a, a shooting a few hours ago in LAX. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say yeah. about that one. Right, yeah, that was the excitement this afternoon. For those of you who may have missed the story, there was a shooting in LAX, Los Angeles Airport there, and it was over, I believe, in Terminal 2 or 3. It was the terminal that has, like, Virgin Airlines, Spirit Airlines, Frontier, you know, those types of airlines there. And... The young man that shot everyone up basically went to the TSA security area, you know, the first stop where you have to show your boarding pass and your identification. He got to that area there and pulled out this gun and just started shooting. And I believe one TSA agent was killed and a few others were injured. And, you know, our condolences definitely goes out to those people and their families. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Uh, I'm very curious as to, you know, why something like that would happen. But really, who knows nowadays? Uh, it's it's sad because I normally don't utilize that particular airport. I use the Ontario one, but for uh, convenience as far as saving money, a lot of people do uh, utilize LAX. So uh, I think I'm going to stick with the Ontario airport from now on. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. I hear you because I fly when I come to California. I usually fly into LAX, and I just wow. You know, again, you don't want to get people out there paranoid because this is just one of those incidents. Things happen. You know, I'm not excusing anybody's behavior or anything like that, but we can't walk around you know, fearing everything and everyone. And that's, you know, unfortunately, especially in the political climate in this country, they're selling fear. So it's up to us to make sure that we don't necessarily live our lives and base our lives on fear. You know, unfortunate things happen, but that just encourages us to be, encourage us to be more vigilant and more mindful and more watchful. I mean, if you see any suspicious activity, then it's up to you as a citizen to report that information. Yeah, it's always important to be attentive. And that's a little PSA uh, for right now. Just just always be attentive to what's going on. You never know what people are going through or what they're thinking. And I'm, I'm always like that just in case because I'm I, that's part of my profession. So it's, it's just Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's a lot going on, and, you know, it's been a lot in the news this past week. Um, wanted to give a couple of announcements. Again, on Sunday, November 24th, 2013, which is a couple of, well, a few weeks from now, we will be having our first official webcast as People of Color Beyond Faith, and with this webcast, we'll be talking about um, basically beyond post-racial America, debunking post-racialism in the secular community. So this will be a webcast. This is basically a few groups coming together, Black Skeptics Group in Los Angeles. Um, Dr. Hutchinson will be moderating this discussion. Donald Wright and his group, Houston Area Black Nonbelievers, will also participate in this discussion. And myself, Kim, and my group, Black Skeptic Chicago, we will also be participating in this discussion. So it will be live on Google Chat as well as sped over to the YouTube channel. So, again, it will be there for you all to enjoy. If you send um, messages on YouTube, we will answer them and address them through the course of the conversation. And also, if you send questions or comments to our Twitter handle, which is hashtag POC Beyond Chat, we will answer those as well. And we have a weekly Twitter chat every Thursday at 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So every Thursday you can join us. You can send us questions, comments, suggestions, what have you. And that's going on weekly. These web chats will happen monthly. And for the one on Sunday, November 24th, this will take place 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, which is 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So this is going to preempt the Black Free Thinker show. I will bring that show later on in the afternoon, or I may take the Sunday off. So it just really depends. But, um, yeah, definitely, we want you guys to be a part of the conversation. We're bringing this to you. We're trying to bring it to you because there are too many groups out here that have been marginalized, and we want you all to be a part of the conversation. We want you to know that your voices are extremely important to us. So we're bringing it to you, and in February, the weekend of Valentine's Day, February 14th, 15th, and 16th, we will be conducting an online conference, um, same thing, Google Chat, fit to YouTube, and this is for people who aren't able to come to the physical conferences. For whatever reason, we just wanted to give something back to the community. So for that weekend, we'll have several panels and discussing several issues, and again, monthly, we'll be holding a webcast. And in October of 2014, we will be holding our first physical conference in Los Angeles, California. So that will be the middle of October. More information is to come, but it will take place in Los Angeles, California, and, you know, a lot of surprises there. So we look forward to seeing you guys next year in sunny California. And that will take place over the course of a weekend as well. And we'll be there physically. Another um, announcement, I forgot to announce this, on February 1st of next year, 2014, AAH, African Americans for Humanism, will be holding their conference, their regional conference in Washington, D.C. 
So on February 1st of 2014, AAH will be holding a conference in Washington, D.C. I will be at the AAH conference, and I will be at the um, conference in Los Angeles for people of color beyond state. So we wanted to make sure that you guys knew about all of these events coming up. And another one that I wanted to announce was uh, Morgan State University. They are holding a philosophical conference um, April 25th and 26th, and People of Color Beyond Faith is collaborating with them for that conference. So Dr. Hutchinson will be there, I will be there, Raina will be there, and more details will come behind that. We're going to start announcing it a little bit more often, but we will be in Baltimore, Maryland, April 25th and 26th. For a philosophical conference, we will have a secular panel, and we want you guys to come out and show up and let them know that we have a voice and we have a community. So on that note, those are the announcements for today. Oh, man, that was mouthful. That's, I'll definitely see if I can make the one in Los Angeles because I, I, I really want to go there for something other than uh, my wife's shopping trips and actually stay there. Uh, I'm not, I can't say I'm actually a big fan of Los Angeles. A lot of, there's a lot going on there. I'm not that type of person for that type of metropolitan area, but to definitely be a part, a physical part of the skeptic community is something that I am in dire uh, need of. So I, I encourage everyone, if I can break away from what I'm doing here, then and definitely try to get out. You might, yeah, you might be able to meet me and, Hell, I might make some t-shirts one day or something. I don't know. Exactly, exactly. So we plan on keeping you all busy next year. Um, we have some more tentative plans, you know, that we're working on, and that information will be coming forth. But next year, I'm telling you guys, you know, stick with us. It's going to be a banner year, and, again, this is for you. We want to give back to the community. But, again, we also want to make sure that people – you know, who are generally marginalized, we want to make sure that you have a voice and we want to make sure that information gets to you as well. So, again, you know, please join us, people of color beyond faith. Um, this is a new endeavor, but we're going to be, you know, basically outreach to the secular community and as well as the religious community, you know, to build dialogue, to build a relationship, because in some cases we're going to have to work together, especially in regards to social justice. But we have these conferences coming up. The first one, again, is virtual. It's all online. So you can enjoy it from the comfort of your home, and that's Valentine's Day weekend, and you got to come up the air eventually that weekend. So you know, and then it's also going to be on YouTube, so you can watch it anytime you want. So you don't have to necessarily catch it live if you have other plans. But um, yeah, guys, check it out, catch it. It's exciting. We're honored you know, that you all are allowing us to be a part of your lives. In a physical conference, we are going to have a blast. So, you know, if you can get out to California, we're going to do it. It's going to be nice and uh, more details to come on that. But, you know, this is our way of saying thank you. Yeah, definitely try to come out for that. Oh, yeah, it should be fun. It should be fun. But, you know, the title of today's show is Black Face and Hands. How about that? Yeah, it's something that I kept seeing coming up, and I have a, a mixed feeling about uh, blackface and, and that sort of thing. And I see a lot of people kind of jump on this bandwagon the second they see someone dress up as, as an uh, African-American character. Some of them, I feel, get mislabeled because you'll see a picture of something that's obviously, obviously blackface, the big, big grotesque lips, and there's the dark uh, skin that dark skin complexion, almost like a tar, tar baby, and someone who has tanned themselves to the point that they resemble a person who is brown or caramel skin and that they're actually playing uh, a part of a character or just paying homage to a character from a series. So I have a really good website here, and it goes over not only blackface, but what they call yellow face, brown face, red face, air face, and Jew face, and they're all... Uh, different racial stereotypes. It's a really funny website, but it's really good information. So I'll just kind of get to the backstory. A lot of people know what blackface is, but not everyone knows the history of it. And that is something uh, I'm going to get into. 
and I'm going to uh, get into how we see this in media and what are you know some really good examples and something that some some examples that are not blackface that people assume just because there's a dark complexion on that person that's not normally there. So uh, let's, let's start from the basics. Um, history of blackface. The stock characters of blackface minstrels have been have played a significant role in disseminating racist images, attitudes, and perceptions worldwide. Every immigrant group has stereotyped on the music hall stage during the 19th century, but the history of prejudice, hostility, and ignorance toward black people has ensured a unique longevity to these stereotypes. White America's conceptions of black entertainers were shaped by uh, minstrelies, mocking caricatures, and for over 100 years, the belief that blacks were racially and socially inferior was fostered by legions of both white and black performers in blackface. So it's not just the, the evil uh, white people or some folks like to make it out to be. No, it is also, uh, you know, your own people, so to speak, that are perpetuating these ideas uh, for a quick buck or just because they don't care and they don't see the implications of some of these. So the... The origins of this started as such, uh, originating with the white man's characterizations of plantation slaves and free blacks during the era of minstrel shows, and this is 1830 to 1890. The caricatures took such a firm hold on the American imagination that audiences expected any person with dark skin, no matter what their background, to conform to one or more of these stereotypes. Now, this was back starting from 1830. We still see this to this day. Many people expect uh, me, for instance, to speak uh, Ebonics. Some of them don't even understand what code switching is, and I, I can speak uh, Ebonics and speak with a certain, I, I guess, dialect from uh, southern Louisiana, where I am from, but it is such a surprise that I can speak well as I do that uh, occasionally, and my wife is, is no stranger to this as well, is, oh, you speak so well. You don't normally get that from someone who expects you to be on the same level as they are. So from there, you actually see where this, the, the, this concept plays into nowadays. And this is 2013. This, this has started in 1830 and has not gone away. So for anyone to tell you that, this is not still going on. Tell them to go fuck themselves. No, I'm just kidding. Tell them it's just something that they can look at, and you, you can you can ask them why why do people expect that? And it's starting from these expectations. Now, there's two distinctions. A lot of people don't know this, and I didn't actually know about the, the second one. But the first one is called a Jim Crow. People are familiar with the law, but it actually started off as a stereotype. Uh, the term Jim Crow originated in 1830 when a white minstrel show performer, uh, Thomas Daddy Rice, blackened his face with burnt cork and danced the jig while singing the lyrics to the song Jumping Jim Crow. <laughs> and the counterpart to this was the Zip Coon, uh, first performed by George Dixon in 1834. Uh, Zip Coon made a mockery of free blacks, an arrogant and ostentatious figure who dressed in high style and spoke a series of uh, malaprops and puns that undermine his attempts to appear dignified as our, our, uh, the progenitor of the Epity Negro. So first we have the, the, the slave and then the recently freed slave. Neither one are very dignified and both are to solidify this ideology that you are inferior no matter what you think. So from there, it gets even, it, it emerges off into different directions. Zip Coon and Jim Crow eventually merged into a single stereotype simply called Coon, and a lot of us are familiar with this pejorative. Uh, from there, uh, we have the Mammy. Mammy is a source of earthly wisdom who is fiercely independent and brooks no backtalk. Although her image has changed a little over the years, the stereotype looks on. Her face can still be found on the pancake box today. I have and Jemima, uh, freaking syrup in my refrigerator right now. Uh, I, I'm Jemima. Syrup is very good, and I enjoy it. But it is still, to this day, a mammy. And we have uh, a lot of people use this term but don't know where it came from, Uncle Tom. <clears throat> Toms are typically good, 
gentle, religious, and sober. Images of Uncle Tom's were another favorite of advertisers as Uncle Ben is still being used to sell rice today. So, again, it's still being used. And for people who keep perpetuating this idea of post-racial America, I don't see many uh, other types of uh, negative racial stereotype figure, figureheads, uh, if, if that, being used to this day in marketing. Uh, and we have something I didn't know, uh, Buck. Buck is a large black man who is proud, sometimes menacing, and always interested in white women. Again, we have the joke. Uh, you know, large black men like uh, white women. Let's see. Uh, the Wentz slash Jezebel, the temptress. During the menstrual era, winches were typically a male and female garb. In films, winches were usually uh, female mulattoes. Light-skinned uh, mixed breeds, more, I, I guess, would be a, a better term for some folks. Uh, the this the winch, if I am not mistaken, is kind of the progenitor of the sexualization that black women go through today. Now, women of different cultures experience different types of sexualization, and they are they are viewed in this special type of, of, I guess, uh, they're placed on a mantle more so than women. I, I guess you can find average, just your average white woman. A, a, a Japanese woman is especially exotic because you don't see too many uh, of them that would conform to your idea of beauty and that since they're so rare, they're placed in this special category. Now we have, uh, I mean, we've heard of mulatto, a mixed blood male or female. A film they are portrayed as a tragic figure who either intentionally or unintentionally passes for white until they're discovered they have Negro blood or are discovered by another character to be black. So this one is very interesting because my father is actually a mulatto, and there's a term used in Louisiana for someone like that, and it's passé pour le blanc, or uh, pour le blanc for short, uh, pass for white. It's not really a very endearing term. So... Uh, this this character has a little bit more depth than other characters, but it's only being portrayed that well you're you're not who you think you are. You are actually less uh, of a person than you originally thought. Too bad, sucks to be you. And we have uh, the pickaninny. Pickaninnies have bulging eyes, unkept hair, red lips, and wide mouths into which they stuff huge slices of watermelon. It's very convenient to get all the watermelon in there at once before it runs away. So these different stereotypes are very, some of them are very humorous. Some of them are just sad. I'm really unsure where the pickaninny was derived from. It doesn't really get so much of a background on them. Uh, these stereotypes were staples during the menstrual era and carry over into the vaudeville film and television. So th- this whole thing started with menstrual shows, traveling menstrual shows, and you can really get into the heads of the people during that time as to how they felt for people outside their own culture. Uh, this, it, it's really hard to get inside someone's head and to say, well, you know, this is really messed up. This is really, uh, this is really bad from my point of view. I'm not them. I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. But when you put this in perspective of someone like Sarah Barton, that is when it is taken into the extreme to where you become this oddity oddity that is traveled around the world and shows a a display of a freak of nature. So when we talk about things like this, we have to see how other cultures are also responding to this and how how there is little to no backlash. This lack of empathy toward anyone. Uh, I'm having a loss of words right now. How placated America was in those days toward anyone of color. It, it's, it, it's shocking, but at the same time, not shocking. So when we mention stuff like this, it's to be taken in context. Yes, we are characters for humor, but at whose expense? You get inside right. people's heads um, to say, well, this is what 
these people behave like and this is how they act, that's going to carry on into their mentalities toward everyone of that demographic. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it, it has to be addressed because, you know, I posted a few things um, earlier this week, you know, when we started seeing photographs of people, you know, dressed in blackface, um, the brown makeup, darkening of themselves and brown makeup. As a matter of fact, um, one of the young ladies that, well, it was actually two young ladies that dressed up with brown face and People on Twitter, you know, basically were asking them, you know, what were they thinking? Their response was, you know, black people are overdramatic, and instead of worrying about what they were wearing for Halloween, that we should worry about finding our fathers or our dads. So, you, you know, that response there, um, and not only just, you know, with our particular culture, there were three guys here in Chicago, as a matter of fact, that dressed up as the pilots, you know, part of that airline, that Asian airline that crashed, and they had the names. Remember when it was big controversy when CNN, um, you know, those names, someone called and cranked them in. I think it was like fly too low or something like that, you know, and they came dressed as the pilots, you know, bloodied up and with the Asian features, and it's just it's horrible. And what they need to understand is that we're cultures. We're not costumes. And there's a, um, a university in Ohio that has that type of campaign right now, and they were just showing, you know, people dressed up in different cultures and you know, it's wrong on so many levels. I mean, not only that, you know, we have football teams that, you know, uh, you know, you have the Redskins, um, you know, Chief Illini Wig, um, you know, a bunch of different characters. And, you know, Native Americans have been fighting against this for years. I remember this fight was going on when I was a young lady. So, you know, again, it's it's not right, you know, to dress up in blackface or what have you. I mean, there are a lot of examples out there of people who did it right. Ellen dressed up as Nicki Minaj. And she oh, yeah, fight. I saw she that. Yeah, she didn't have to darken her skin or anything for that. And, you know, a lot of people are giving Miley Cyrus a pass and because she – you know, used the little brown skin thing, and they thought she made an exceptional little camel, what have you. But, again, it's, you know, with the whole Miley Cyrus thing, you know, with Miley it's just controversy after controversy, but there are hints of racism in what she did as well, as well as appropriation. So it's just, I mean, a lot of people, you know, we see this differently. But at the end of the day, you know, why do some people think that it's okay to openly mock us? And this is something that I've never understood because, you know, if people of color, you know, dressed up, and most of the costumes out there are of people of mainstream. So they don't think anything about it if you come dressed up as, you know, Rita Hayworth or, or um, you know, Charlton Heston or what have you. So I don't know. It's, it's just this whole conversation needs to be had because it's not okay to dress up in blackface, and we can't continue to ignore these things because with each year, it gets more egregious, and, you know, it just, mm, we just have to, um, you know, talk about these issues because for some odd reason, some of these people think that it's okay because for so, for so long, we've said nothing about it. And we have to stop doing that. Um, we had some people dressing up as the Ku Klux Klan, basically um, lynching President Obama, you know, and called it Hillbilly Haven. And, you know, a lot of different outfits like that out there, you know, this is just wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. It is, and some some people legitimately want uh, want to call a stir, like the guy who dressed up as Trayvon Martin, and uh, uh-huh. I think his, his mom was like, "Ah, oh, well, it's it's fine, you know, you get over it." And she ended up getting fired <laughs> from that, which I I find I, I find it just deserves personally. Some people say, "Well, this maybe is too far." Well, you're dressing up as someone's murdered kid, 
just like he was dressing up as uh, somebody had a costume of Jerry Sandusky. Now, I'm sure that the parents of the children who got molested didn't appreciate that very much, but hey, it to each their own. But here's where uh, we, we have to look at things. I believe the show is called uh, Orange is the New Black, and there's a, a yeah. picture of uh, a young lady. A few of them, they all dress up as characters. One of the young ladies dressed up as the uh, black character and had tanned her skin. Now, she probably more than likely does not understand the history of blackface. She didn't go all out like the Trayvon Martin guy did and intensely replicate blackface with the exaggerated lips and the, the uh, cold-looking skin. So for hers, she, I wouldn't necessarily just get a pass, but somebody should probably tell her, hey, somebody might take that to be offensive. Now, whether she listens to it or not, it's all on her, but there's, there's a difference there. Uh, another one is that my wife actually showed me a video, a music video, of a K-pop singer, I think his name is G-Dragon, where he was using ex- an expression of his inner demons, more or less, as a, a blackening of himself, but it was in the form of ink, and his entire face and body filled with ink. I had one scene, people could only see his face and his neck, and people assumed that was blackface, but there's no history of blackface in his culture. So he couldn't really replicate something that he had never heard of, clearly not blackface. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of education that needs to happen, and, and why we're supposed to have, uh, you know, supposed to teach blackface uh, and all kinds of uh, things of that nature during Black History Month. That's supposed to be the purpose, but it seems that people are just trying to check the box now and fit in as much Martin Luther King and uh, Malcolm X in there as possible without taking advantage of that time. So there, it needs to be less of a knee jerk and more of an understanding as to why this is such a big deal, because I'm sure that explaining to my son why these folks are dressed up this way and say, Hey, you know, there are these silent movies, the wooing of and wedding of the coon. Uh, back in 1904, uh, and the Sambo series, 19, uh, 1909 to 1911, and just a film called The Nigger, 1915. Now, the only purpose of those videos and those movies were to propagate negative racial stereotypes. That was it. That was the purpose of those movies. So, volumes as to why this is offensive. I have yet to see a movie that speaks on the negative racial stereotypes of whites and something that we could easily replicate and as a, a, a hot-button topic just to piss them off. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that's why it's important for people to understand the history of this because, you know, when you were talking about, you know, the history of blackface as well, there were key words there. Jim Crow. Go back and look that up and see how all of that came about. Find out how, you know, some of the um, train cabins were known as Jim Crow cabins and how it came, became to be known as that. Um, go back to, you know, Birth of a Nation, that movie, and how it was the first full featured or full-length movie to be shown in the White House. And basically, you know, um, it showed black politicians during the time of Reconstruction. It showed black politicians of being incompetent, kind of like what they're trying to do now with, you know, President Obama, even though we know that's not true. But um, it's, it's important for you all to know, you know, how all of this came about, which is why we encourage you guys to go back and learn the history of this because, you know, so many people aren't aware of the history. This is why it gets repeated. And we have to learn how to challenge it and critique it. And I think it's our job to teach the younger people, and it's their job to listen. Now, whether they do anything with that or not, it's another story. But, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of this happening out here. You know, I mentioned Al Jolson in the tags there. And, you know, Al Jolson basically um, – used to go on and do the menstrual shows as well. And he did the first talking picture called The Jazz Singer. And this was in 1927. 
you know, go back. Go back and read. Go back and understand and see how all of this, you know, plays a part. Um, it's just, yeah, no, you know, people blackening up their skins and marginalizing us and degrading us for laughs, this has been happening for, you know, centuries. And, you know, we have to challenge the ugliness of it. You know, not only in, you know, black communities, but all communities of color, all communities that have been marginalized, and, you know, that's for our red, yellow, brown brothers and sisters as well. It's important we have to stick together, and we have to stand up when we hear people making jokes. You know, even if I hear another person, you know, of my particular culture, you know, making, you know, ill-mannered jokes of someone of another culture, I stop it. I confront it. And that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, a big part of it is, is education, and educating folks is the first step. Now, ed- ed- educating folks in our community should be the easiest task, but sometimes it's the most difficult. I run into a scenario all the time when trying to discuss things with someone of another culture who is really more concerned about perpetuating, perpetuating the negative racial stereotypes than actually acknowledging them and pretending as if, something that they heard Tyrone down the street say uh, that just so happens to align, align with uh, Jesse Jackson, then that's when the black monolith kicks in. And that's what all black people like and all black people think. So, and I have to think back to myself, where does this come from? What, what person in your particular demographic can I say that you identify with and then uh, assume that your entire demographic thinks that way and acts that way. I, I, I personally can't think of anyone because I don't see an entire demographic along these narrow lines. So when putting that into uh, perspective, this is where this comes into play. This is why this type of thing is uh, negative. It's because going back to the Jim Crow and the Zip Coon, these two representations were supposed to be, uh, I guess, avatars for our entire demographic, either one of the two. And then they have branched off into the Mammy, the Uncle Tom, the Buck, the Jezebel, the Piccaninnies, Mulattoes, and what have you. That's all that we are, are living emanations of, of these stereotypes and nothing more. So when I, I have someone baffled as to why I find this offensive, I don't like being put in the fucking box. Because I am more than this. I'm sorry that I don't conform to one of these uh, negative racial stereotypes that you want me to conform to because I feel as though uh, just being a sentient being that, sure, some of these I might align with just because some of them actually do hold some ground uh, in my culture, but they're caricatures. They're not supposed to represent who I am. so, 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 where, where do we where do we go from there? How how can we get this across the folks? If you feel that you know doing something like this is acceptable and people are just supposed to roll over and accept it, then expect to be called names that are appropriate to your mentality. If you want to be this callous and craft, then you more than likely are a racialist. Now. Some people may be racist, but the people who cater to this type of ideology are racialists. And that's something that I've had to actually uh, correct people on saying myself is that, no, some people actually accept uh, black people for who they are, the people from other races, but they still hold this ignorant notion that people from this particular demographic only do this. And they, will, they don't delineate from this, this narrow view right here, and they walk along this path. So... That's something that we have to uh, uh, really disseminate out to folks that know it's not true, and what you're doing is perpetuating the whole purpose of these uh, these menstrual characters. Exactly, exactly, and we'll just call it what it is. You know, it's white privilege. And, you know, I know some people are like, I'm tired of hearing that phrase, but it is white privilege. You know, there are quite a few people, you know, that are not of color, that are totally oblivious as to why this type of behavior upsets us. 
And, again, that's white privilege. So, you know, again, and and I've heard some of the excuses. They were basically trying to talk about the Wayans Brothers movie, White Chicks. And that was a movie. We knew that those were black men, you know, portraying white women. You saw them in character. You saw them out of character. And it does not compare, you know, apples and oranges, apples and oranges. And, I mean, if you want to dress up as a black person, fine. But you need to leave the skin-altering makeup alone. You know, the black face, the brown face, um, that's, you know, leave that alone. Leave that alone. And, you know, dressing up as pilots of, you know, an airplane that crashed, you know, you didn't use a lot of common sense with that either. Um, It's just it has to be addressed. And, you know, I've heard arguments from both sides where it's just say, well, it's just a Halloween costume, and why are we so upset about it? And no, no, dressing up as Trayvon Martin, there is nothing funny about that. That woman lost her child. That woman lost her child. He lost his life, you know, just because he wanted to go get some tea and some candy, seriously? And the thing is, is that, you know, even with Trayvon Martin, he had already been demonized and, you know, vilified in the media after his death. And you want to continue that? You allow people to continue that? No, unacceptable. So, you know, this type of white privilege has to be, you know, um, challenged. It has to be put back in people's faces and then tell them why it's unacceptable. Don't just say it's unacceptable. Tell them why. And it's, it's, oh, it's important yeah. for them to know that. Right. You know, you have people that, that tell you to just get over it, just like, you know, they tell us to get over slavery, but they tell you to remember the Holocaust. They tell you to remember Pearl Harbor. They tell you to remember 9-11. You can remember those things, but slavery, get over it, Right. Exactly, and I've actually I actually have a meme that says exactly that, and it shows uh, it shows a picture of the Titanic, it shows a picture of the Holocaust Museum, and it shows a picture of a slave where his back has been whipped so many times that the whelps show more than his actual skin, and of course it says remember this, remember Titanic, remember Holocaust, but oh yeah, you need to get over that. So that particular preference I bring up all the time. Why is there an entire museum dedicated to the Holocaust? yet I'm expected to not acknowledge my history as far as how my people got here and how it took me to this day. And just so it's not, it's put into perspective, why is there not acknowledgement? Why is there not a, a Native American uh, museum? And, and don't tell me they got casinos because that's bullshit. They can't even breed with their own people because their gene pool is so small. So just the audacity of some of these arguments, it reinforces this idea of white privilege. And see, I, I had no clue what it was, much less uh, male privilege. And I had to step yeah. outside myself when I first heard that, especially black male privilege, because I would be the first one to admit I bucked at that idea. What the hell do I have uh, in this country as a black male? But then when it was explained to me how my male privilege played a role into where I get to and my limitations and whatnot in life, well, it makes sense. I know it to this day that I, especially in the military, I will be, choose, I will be uh, chosen over any female because of the stigma surrounding females and their abilities. That's point blank. Nobody can deny that. I mean, the whole go, make, go in the kitchen and make me a sandwich thing, that entire joke is not actually a joke. That is an homage paid to the notion that that is all you're good for, being barefoot pregnant. So uh, it's, it's becoming a challenge to try and reach people, but I'm seeing more and more that some folks don't want to be reached. They don't want to understand because they like where they are. They like holding on to that privilege because acknowledging that particular privilege would mean that that is negatively affecting someone else. And so if their privilege is vicariously uh, interacting with someone in a negative way, then that means something has to change. And so if something changes, then the status quo cannot be kept. And this whole, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned 
uh, the Trayvon Martin guy because the characterization that he went through is actually, and I had I just read this too, and I missed it earlier. That is actually one of the minstrel types. That is a buck. That is the new form of buck. So buck has changed to being now a thug, and the stereotypical gangster rap, uh, gangsterisms are now what people see as black Americans uh, are portrayed to be uh, specifically males. And I've had this told to me on several occasions that I don't act black enough. And I had to ask, who are you to define me? What what do you mean I don't act black enough? What do you mean you act blacker than me? I've had one of my white girlfriends tell me this, is that she acts blacker than me. So how do you tell somebody that? Where do you get off telling someone that, they don't align enough with their culture so that what you perceive to be their culture, but yet you do. If their culture is something that you could pick up off a TV screen and emulate, then that's not saying very much of how you consider them as a person. So for anyone that has that ideology, well, you need to just get over it, you need to go fuck yourself because I'm not going to let anybody degrade me or my family like that, because that's ridiculous. I don't teach my children that nonsense. I don't tell my son, hey, if you behave this way, you are now white. And anyone who does not behave this way, you can tell them that they're not white enough and that they need to try and emulate you instead because you have reached the epitome of what it is to be their culture. If that is not a privileged mindset, I don't know what is. You have artificially placed yourself in this category uh, beyond that of a humble human being, that you have perfectly packaged someone else's entire culture, mannerisms, language, dialect, history, appropriated for yourself, and then have put it on display as if it was a fucking trophy. That is privilege. That is nonsense. And that shit needs to stop. Exactly. Exactly. It is privilege. It, you know, again, we have to confront it. And, yeah, you know, I've seen your progress, you know, since, you know, we've all been talking and, you know, educating one another. And, you know, I've seen the progress of a lot of people because in many cases people just aren't aware. And so as we go along and we educate each other and one another, we begin to grow and evolve as individuals when we become enlightened. And that's why these shows are extremely important because we're able to get out here, we're able to give, you know, a different perspective, and that's why I love having, you know, such a diverse, you know, group of people working on the network because, you know, we get a male perspective, we get a female perspective, we get, um, you know, a more seasoned person's perspective, and we get a younger person's perspective. You know, we have a nice mix here. And, again, you know, people are learning. You know, we get these notes and, you know, people are telling us how much they appreciate the show. And, you know, and I appreciate all of you guys for allowing us in your lives. But, yeah, we're going to continue educating you guys on this. And there are people out there that disagree. And you know what? That's okay, too. I just said you bring it to me, be able to support your argument. You know, I'm not a debater. I, I don't believe in arguing or anything, but I do believe in having a civil discussion, whether it's with someone, you know, um, who has, you know, an opinion that's, you know, diametrically opposed to mine or, you know, someone who may be offended by what we have to say and they want to present their case. And that's fine. Don't have a problem. You have a right to your opinion. But, We're going to continue to educate people. We're going to continue to bring subjects like this because for too long this has been, you know, quote, unquote, swept under the rug. You know, it's no longer a little dirt under the rug. You know, it's like, you know, a mountain under that supper now. And we got to clear it out. We got to clean it up because a lot of the younger people, you know, younger generations, and even some people in our generations, they don't understand the significance of this and where this comes from. And, you know, again, you know, I make no apologies for, you know, what I talk about on this show. I make no apologies for educating people. I make no apologies for educating myself about these, you know, issues. But we want you all to go up 
and look up minstrel shows and, and go back and get a better understanding, you know, about the, you know, about slavery and how the minstrel shows basically desensitized all of us to the horrors of slavery. Because, you know, with the shows that they were giving, the singing and the dancing and the smiling and, you know, acting as though they were complicit or apathetic to, you know, what they went through, that desensitized people to what those folks really went through. And everybody keeps talking about that movie, 12 Years a Slave. I have not gone to see that yet. You know, I'm not sure if I can handle it. But I know I need to go see it. But, you know, if you all get a chance to go see it, please do let me know, you know, about the film. But from my understanding, it's a very accurate depiction of, you know, slavery and what happened. And, you know, I've been posting links all week about slavery and different types of slavery and things that have been happening. Um, With the show Sunday, we'll be talking about inner city blues, public policy, um, lost black towns, um, redlining, things pertaining to that. And, it's tied to this. So, you know, we'll be stringing it all along so that it makes perfect sense to you guys. But learn your history. Learn your history. I know some people feel that it's okay and it's just for laughs and we need to lighten up. No. What happens is when you laugh at this and you disregard it or you go along to get along, what you're doing is you're being complicit and telling people that it's okay to make fun of you and your culture and your heritage, and it's not okay. It's it's not, and I, I give people I have to find better examples because I I'm under the impression that people give a shit about black people. That that's and that's part of my problem is being a humanist. I have to put the side uh, put my bias to the side and say that other people matter too, and that everybody should accept everybody for who they are. Not everybody has that mindset, so I have to get out of my humanist mindset and assert this mindset of I am the center of the fucking world, and that everything that I don't see does not exist. So once I right. put myself in that, in that mindset, it's kind of easier for me to see where folks are coming from. Now, Here's a good example, instead of uh, me bringing up how Jim Crow, how slavery played a role to all this, and even to this day, besides the whole uh, characterization of Trayvon Martin being uh, a thug, which is the new form of buck, uh, the minstrel show stereotype, people still think, and a lot of people, a lot of young kids think Native Americans are wiped out. And I, I kept hearing this a while ago, and I thought it was a joke, but some, uh, some of the younger generations actually believe they don't exist anymore. An entire race of people that used to be here. Why would they think that? Well, you get desensitized over the years, saying cowboys and Indians, having the big guys clear out all the Indians, and it's fine. Why not acknowledging that these people were massacred? They were given blankets with smallpox on it that decimated their entire villages. An entire demographic of people destroyed. And then we gather around and say Thanksgiving and pretend that everything was fine. We just placate the entire situation. Every everything was okay when it was a, a really subversive time where they wanted to like I said, they wanted to placate them so they could give them gifts that were laced with uh <laughs> biological weapons. So That's right. once you get people into that mode of thinking they can say, well, that atrocity is, is whatever. It has no effect on them. You know, we don't see them anymore, so everything's fine. Well, that's now what's, hap- that's what's happening in other demographics. That's what's happening in our demographic. Because, well, you're not, and you're not being whipped anymore. You're not in change, so you're fine. No, this is having people denying the effect of that shit. So that's something that I have to work on trying to communicate with folks. And it's hard to, to quantify something like that. Because it's been so watered down, and it's been so uh, it's been so subversive over the years that it's become ingrained into our culture to where we don't care. It's not a problem. All people care about is turkey and cranberry sauce, and they don't think about what actually happened and why certain people say I'm not celebrating a massacre of an entire people. It's not fun. That's right. It's not. It's it, it's 
actually acknowledging history and its ramifications to this day. And paying too much attention to that is now looked down upon. Having a mind, an intellectual mind, and critically thinking and saying, what am I doing? And I'm just following this crowd because everyone else is doing it. I'm just following along because other folks say I should, but other times I should open my mind and see the new world order or I can see the, the Illuminati and all this other crazy shit, but not the stuff that actually happened. So it's, it's a lack of critical thinking and it's a lack of wherewithal to actually sit and say, hey, I'm not going to carry on with this ignorance anymore. This shit stops here. And having the will exactly. to actually educate folks into what's going on. Exactly, and you're you're right on. And, you know, I want to tell people during your research here, I want you to go back and do some research on how slavery is interwoven, intertwined with racism and what we're dealing with today, with modern racism. So do some research on how slavery is intimately, you know, intertwined with you know, modern racism, and you'll be surprised. And, you know, eventually we'll bring you a show, and you know how I do. I kick out the links, but I want you to do some research on your own so when I do bring that show to you, you'll have a better understanding of where we're coming from with this because, again, we're here to educate you. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Right, Alfred? That's exactly it. I'm just trying to get folks to think, honestly. I don't expect anyone I speak to to right off the bat change their entire worldview. That's that's not going to happen. That's not realistic. I expect them to challenge what they thought to be true because I have. I've been there. I have personally been there. I can tell you the exact second that I actually realized what a rape culture was because I had no clue what that was. I didn't, like I said, I didn't accept a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing about. And so I sat down and actually started thinking about some of this and thought about some of the stuff that I was taught. I was never taught to, you know, and we're getting a little bit off subject, but I was never taught to, hey, when you see a, a, a woman alone, you should not feel that she should be with you or that because she's in this scenario that it's, it's acceptable to uh, it's not acceptable to go take advantage of her. I would, I, I remember my mother almost taking up for a damn uh, dudes that are raping girls that, well, she shouldn't have been fucking drunk. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. But I know where she got it from because she was taught that. Because we live in a patriarchal society that says, hey, if you're drunk, you're fair game. It's going to, rape is going to happen. It is inevitable. It's going to happen, so you just need to try and avoid it like Frogger dodges cars, and that's unacceptable, completely unacceptable. Just like these issues, these other social issues we have, we make the issues. They are completely avoidable. But having the will to change shit actually takes time and effort and somebody that wants to do something. People that benefit from the scenario don't want to because, hell, why, why are you going to put yourself at a disadvantage now? So that's really what this is about at the end of the day is trying to open folks' eyes to say, hey, maybe stuff that you and I have been taught and been thinking has been wrong. Let's, let's exchange some ideas to see where all, the, where all the pieces lay when we put them out. There you go. And we'll uh, let Alfred have the last word tonight. He summed it up perfectly. And at the end, Two weeks from now, Alfred and Carl will be back. And, again, we thank you guys for joining us today. We appreciate it. You know, this will be at archive. You can listen to it again. I posted a few links on the Black Freethinkers profile. I need to go ahead and post that on the public page as well. For those of you that don't know, Black Freethinkers has um, a public page as well as a profile on Facebook there. So you can go out and take a look at that. But on that note, Alfred, my dear, you have yourself a lovely weekend, and we will see you guys Sunday at high noon, Central Standard Time. We're talking about inner city blues. Yep, I'll see you there. All right. Good night, everybody.
With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.